This is Getting Past Subtitles. My name is Sean Peel. This is DK Lee. And welcome back. We are back. After a little hiatus, we are here to start the new year. Fresher than ever. Got a lot of things coming. Pretty excited. So, how was your new year, Lee? It was, uh, it was great. My uh, brother got married. Wow. Cool. So, okay, uh, cool, cool. Yeah, it was, it was a very hectic and busy, busy new year, but everything's uh, going all right. No one's going to know, and eventually you'll see, but Lee's had long hair. for. <laughs> when I first met him, he actually had short hair, and then over like two, three years, yeah. he didn't cut it, and it just like grew out really long, and so he cut it for his brother's wedding, and I had to blink like five times. <laughs> Make sure I was like, the right person. Like, did we just travel back in time to previously? Yeah. Which I also cut my hair too, but before I think you saw it before, right? Mm, yeah. yeah, I did. So I actually cut my hair too. I grew out a little long, but definitely not to your length. Yeah, it was, it was long overdue. My hair went <laughs> down to my like, to almost my back, all the way down. So Dang. it's been pretty long. Fresh, fresh year, fresh us. That's what we're going with. Yep, we're pretty good. You know, I um, and uh, you know, nothing much. Took some vacation time off. Had some. Friends come over, explore the city, and then I caught COVID for the second time. But all is well. I'm not dead. This actually wasn't bad compared to the first time. But I don't know. You know, I think nature is just trying to get out me. He's just the the vid magnet. I don't know what to. I don't know what to say. You know, I keep winning the fight. So <laughs> I, don't, they, I don't know why it's not backing off yet. I should have like three immunities. You probably do around, now, right? <laughs> no big deal. But yeah, so, you know, we got a lot of things coming and changing, and we were kind of thinking, you know, once we come back, what we wanted to do for the series to kick off, and we thought we would kind of go back to, when we first started, right, we did a director's um, filmography. Yeah, retrospective. Retrospective, and we did it with um, Bong Bong Joon-ho, because Parasite had just come out, we thought it was a good time. And so, kind of think about it this year, we we're going to go back and do another retrospective. And I've been wanting to do Park Chan Wook for a little while, you know, just kind of sitting in my head. And I thought that it would be, um, you know, kind of in line to do it this time. Another very prominent Korean director. Mm. Essentially, like, they're kind of two peas in a pot with him and uh, Bong Joon Ho. Um, very similar, but also, like, very different um, in yeah. their storytelling. But they're both probably like, the top two figures, I would say, for uh, South Korean cinema today. Um, so, yeah, so I'm pretty excited. Um, he's got an interesting, like, when I was looking, he's no, uh, he's a veteran to the podcast. We watched JSA for the mystery series, yeah. uh, Joint Security Area. So everybody should be a little familiar. But his filmography has kind of been a little bit everywhere. Like, it's funny because he's done a few things, but he has like a very like wide variety of projects under his belt. Mm-hmm. Like feature films specifically, he only has like five right now. Yeah. But he's, you know, over the years, I think like as he's continues to do work, he's branched out to like short film projects and television now. He's doing a lot of television. And so it kind of like eats away a little bit into the future. But it's it's just funny to see like um like how prominent he is, but he's only has like you know a couple of films under him compared to like Bong Joon Ho, which I feel like has mm-hmm. more features for sure, you know. 
but uh, Park Chan Wook is a little more variety in what he does. So I kind of realized that, and the so the four films that I decided to go with was his Vengeance trilogy, uh, obviously. So this episode we'll be talking about Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, which we watched, and then following we'll be doing chronologically. So Old Boy will be the next week, followed by uh, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, and then we'll conclude it with his last feature, uh, The Handmaiden. So there's like, we're skipping over a couple other films, but I thought that, you know, these films are basically all vengeance films, so they're kind of thematically the same. Yeah. And even personally, so these are the ones that I've all seen. I haven't seen some of the others, but these are kind of, I think the most attention grabbing of his films. Mm, they're probably the most iconic exactly. of, of his films as well. When you think of him, these are the films that will come to mind, you know? Yeah. Versus the other things. So I'll just go into some backstory of Park Chumok that I have here. Kind of give the spiel on who we're talking about. So in his younger days in college, he actually studied philosophy in the beginning. Um, but at his university... He founded a film club, and in the club, he basically wrote articles about different movies, and he essentially kind of became like a critic in that way, mm -hmm. and that would carry uh, over later. And so it wasn't until he saw the movie Vertigo that really inspired him to chase filmmaking specifically. So post-college, um, he would still write to be a film critic for real under like journal publications, but he would also be... Um, an AD or an assistant director for a couple of directors um, in the area at the time. So in 1992, he would come out with his director debut with a film called The Moon Is the Sun's Dream. And then five years after that, he would release a sophomore film called Summing Joel in 1997. Now, both of these films were basically flops, <laughs> kind of like failures. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't do too well. And um, both like, Critically and like commercially for sure. Yeah. So with that, he basically just went back to being a film critic and still wrote as like his main career at the time. So it wasn't until the year 2000 that Park Chung was the household name that we kind of know him now. And that's when he came out with JSA. So like I think it was like best off of a book, right? And he adapted it for the screen. And at the time of its release, it became the highest grossing film in South Korea of yeah. all time. And it was. Commercially, obviously, but also critically praised, and everybody loved him for it. Soon after, it would be, you know, um, surpassed by, like, Teguki, for example. But when it came out, it was a big deal. So because of that success of a film, he kind of had a blank check uh, to make any project that he wanted to do next. Right. And then so in 2002, that's where Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance came from. So this was, like, the product of post that film. So the reception for this film was definitely different compared to JSA. It's a good movie, but I think critically it was more polarized mm. and kind of mixed. But I think generally leaning positively, um, but also like commercially not nowhere near as JSA for sure. Right. Um, but still a good movie nonetheless. And so he would go to make uh, Old Boy after that, another revenge-based film. And I think it just kind of happened to be that way. Um, and I, it was Old Boy that really solidified Park Chan-wook to be who he is today, yeah. like, in the eye of the public. Like, I think that is his most... And globally, too. Right? And globally, yeah. yeah. Um, because, like, it premiered at Cannes, I yep. think, right? So that's when it made it to world stage, and it won, like, all these awards in Cannes. It has, like, 
the second highest award that you can win there. And so it really got into a public eye globally. And it's really just generally seen as his most prominent film, for sure, his most praised film. Um, and so following Old Boy, he would do a third revenge film. And that would kind of tie the knot with the unofficial Vengeance trilogy, as we call it today. And that was with um, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. So I have a quote here that kind of explains like why he did three revenge films. Mm-hmm. So he did Sympathy for Lady Vengeance just because, you know, obviously that was like a script. Then he did Old Boy. And so he says, I got this from IMBD, and I don't remember where this quote came from. So yeah. sorry about the to cite it. He said, when I was about to start Old Boy, I saw somewhat concerned. I was somewhat concerned about making two films on Vengeance back to back. I even thought about refusing the project, but my wife cons- convinced me by saying, if the story is interesting, isn't it all that matters? Then reporters kept asking me about two Vengeance films and why I was doing them one after the other. I felt like they were criticizing me for choosing to tell horrible stories instead of one that is a beautiful story. Yeah. And then, before I realized it, I denounced that I was, wasn't was just making two, but three Vengeance films. It was actually just a spontaneous statement in an interview, and I regretted it deeply. But I couldn't take something back I said in public. So you could say the trilogy owes its conception to Korean journalists. <laughs> <laughs> so when he came, so basically, like when he came out with Lady Vengeance, it was just a product of backing himself into a corner, you yeah. know? And keeping the problems. <laughs> You're just shooting yourself in the foot, you know? And it's what I would definitely say, we'll talk about this when we get there, but it's definitely like the weakest link, I think, of the trilogy. But Maybe it's not a bad film uh, whatsoever, you know? But the other two are definitely more loved, in my opinion. Mm. So, post all of these Vengeance films, um, he still works. So, he's done features such as I'm a Cyborg, but that's okay. He did a vampire film called Thirst. He did a couple short films, one that was shot entirely on an iPhone called Night Fishing. And I think he did that with his brother, actually. Um, he did an English film called Stoker. Yeah. Um, and then following Stoker, I think like 2016, he would release uh, The Handmaiden. And that was that's his currently his um, last feature that he did. Um, but he's done a few other television things. So right after The Handmaiden, he did Little Drummer Girl, which is also English spoken. Um, and in the future, we have looking forward to two projects for sure. So one is a feature that he's shooting now, I think as of April of last year, which is called uh, The Decision to Leave. And I actually think that it's another Vengeance film. <laughs> um, and then he's attached to do a tele- another like mini television series produced by A24 called The Sympathizer. So I was like reading another like quote or interview or something, and he was like he said post the drummer girl that he was doing he was working on like two feature scripts and one of them was a vengeance related one yeah like a fourth installment essentially so that's why i think that the film that he's shooting now might be it and then he basically got attached to a 24th project like it wasn't his writing um so that's interesting him and a 24 should be cool i'm excited for that yeah i think uh kind of has the right fit for that it's pr- pretty surprising, like, A24's got some pull now, yo. I mean, yeah. I think they're all always kind of looking for things that are a little more out of the... Uh, 100%. Out of the, uh, what do you call it? Ordinary? <laughs> yeah, out of the ordinary, but out of, like, the m- the real, like, Hollywood kind mm. of-esque yeah, yeah. Um, films, they kind of look towards something a little more out out of the reach. Yeah. 
they're definitely known to be like when I think of A two and four, they like challenge like filmmaking. Yeah, you know, they're, they're more um, looking towards the boundaries of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of like the variety of the kind of um, films that they choose, right? And they curate. Yeah, so that's um, you're special about that. They're really, I'm. A, they're probably my favorite. You know. Um. So. To get back on track about this film, simply for Mr. Vengeance, like I said, came out in 2002. A little tidbit I'll share now is that originally he wanted to um, experiment with the colors and make it fade from color to black and white as a desaturation. But because of budget constraints, uh, he wasn't able to do that. But he would revisit the idea with uh, Lady Vengeance with the director's cut that it released, the Region 3 Special Edition I've written. And in that version, um, there would be a desaturation. Yeah. So doesn't that sound familiar, Lee? It's <laughs> <laughs> so a little story is that when I saw Sympathy for Lady Je- Vengeance first, I saw it in that version. And I thought that that was like the, the theatrical version. version. Yeah. And then it wasn't until after I did some digging that I was like, oh, this was like a director's cut thing. Like this yeah. wasn't even it. But it feels right. And I think we're going to do that, right, for for this version. So just a heads up. You'll, you'll be watching the director's version. I mean, you can watch whichever one you want. You but want. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's like a little thing in hindsight, but it's pretty significant. Yeah. Like, when I think about that movie, like, that's the thing that I think about. Mm. And it just feels, like, like holy in that sense. Like It, just, it feels like it, it adds to the film. Right? 100%. So, I would 100% recommend that. Um, I have another tidbit, but I'll explain it after we go through the synopsis, because it's, like, in line with the plot. Yeah. But we have, I guess I'll go ahead and explain this time since it was kind of my idea. I'll launch it. So this movie was, it follows this guy. His name is uh, Ryu. He's deaf and he's like this labored employee. And he has a sister that suffers from a chronic illness that requires her to get a new kidney, essentially. Um, He wants to do the transplant, but he's actually unable to because of conflicting blood types. He's B and she's A, I assume. Um... So he has money saved away from his job to do the transplant, but because it's incredibly hard to find a suitable donor, donor it's just kind of like left for whatever. So like soon after that, to kind of top it all off, he loses his job. Um, he kind of gets, basically, basically gets fired from the company. And seemingly out of options, Ryu goes to some underground organ dealers. Um, and they make a deal that, in exchange for the money that he saved up, as well as his own kidney, they'll exchange it for a kidney to suit uh, his sister. It turns out that this was a scam, and they leave him penniless, naked, and missing a kidney. Um, after that, back in the hospital, the hospital miraculously finds a donor, donor kidney for his sister. But Ryu, now broke, has no money for the operation. So he goes to his girlfriend, uh, Yongmi, to, like, for guidance and help. And she kind of freaks out and beats the living shit out of him. Um, but then she suggests to take some drastic measures and kidnap the daughter of the executive that fired him in the first place. Now, Young Mi is um, a bit of a radical, I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Na is an interesting figure in this movie. Yeah. Um, so after like basically convincing themselves to do it, uh, they go ahead and... Uh, basically stake out the executive and the daughter and then um, go to, like, carry out the plan. But after they run into some crazy event where another employee who was fired basically tries 
to commit like suicide in front of him and like an act against getting fired or whatever. So because of that, they have to like change plans on the on the fly. And instead of kidnapping the executive daughter, they kidnap the president's daughter that was with them at the time. Um, so the plan is to exchange the daughter for ransom. And so you fakes a letter that they kidnapped the daughter, which I mean they did anyway. Um, and then they send it to the father. So the father's name is Dong Jing. And he goes through with it. He scrapes some money together and follows the arranged meeting time and drop off, kind of cooperating uh, completely. Uh, at the same time that's going on, Uri's sister, who's watching over the daughter, doesn't really know what's going on. She just figures that, like, they're babysitting the president's daughter or something. Um, but she pieces together the narrative after finding out that he gets fired through, like, the separation papers. Um Notice of termination. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what's going on here? Uh, fired. So she pieces that together, and she realizes that she's part of this kidnapping scheme, all for her sake, apparently. So back in the uh, drop-off situation, Ryu ties Dongjing to a pole and leaves him like in a park stranded. Um, and once he comes home with the money, he finds that his sister has actually committed suicide, wanting zero part in the scheme. Um, and while Ryu's kind of distraught, he takes his sister and the daughter uh, to, like, this pond or, like, river that they used to go as a kid. And then he goes to bury her there as, like, this promise that they had when they were younger. Um, so at this point, things get weird. Uh, while he's trying to bury the sister uh, at this river, there's, like, this local, like, village guy. <laughs> who... <laughs> Uh, so many parallels. It's so weird. Um, he's like mentally handicapped, um, and he starts to like interfere with the business that they're doing, and he basically gets shoot off by Ryu, and then he goes over to the other side with um, the daughter. Uh, what's her name? Like Yun Soon. Um, but basically, she's like sleeping in the car, and the guy is trying to steal like this homemade necklace that she has, um, and then she wakes up and freaks out and is, like, not having any of that shit. And she tries to cry out for uh, Ryu to get his attention. And so how it's kind of set up is that the car and where she is is on the other side of the, the river. And Ryu's on, the, Ryu's on the opposite side. And the only way to get there is, like, between this, like, man-made scrappy bridge. And so she tries to, like, cross the bridge while getting his attention but she ends up falling off of the bridge. Yeah. And because of his death, he has no idea what's going on behind him. And by the time he realizes it's already too late and she's drowned in a river because she can't swim. And this kind of has like a bit of shock for you in the moment. And basically what he does, like he doesn't even immediately chase after her because we find out that he can't swim um, and that he thinks that the river's too high but that was because he was a kid but then it's actually shallow enough he realizes so he leaves the body um like on a bed of a rock to be discovered and then we cut to um dong jin finding his daughter in the crime scene and at that point the narrative basically switches from Ryu to dong jin as he mourns and experiences trauma from losing his daughter and um basically he attaches himself to the investigation to find Ryu, and he finds 
that kind of leads him to they find the apartment that him and his sister uh, were living in, and then that kind of leads to um, there's like the radio station, and basically the sister makes like a broadcast before she dies, coming clean with everything essentially, and then Dong Jing having listened to that goes to the radio station to inquire about it. And then that in turn gives him a lead to go back to the river to find the sister's corpse, which he finds along with the uh, village guy. And I guess he gets information from the village guy on like the uh, license plate from the car that he was driving. Um, so while that is happening simultaneously, Young Mi and Ryu find the organ dealers that scammed him in the first place. And he goes to take revenge on them. And he basically murders all of them, all of them yeah. <laughs> essentially. And so while he's doing that, um, Dong Jing, with the information that he has, finds Young Mi's apartment and then knocks on the door. And basically he tortures her to death for information on where Ryu's whereabouts is. Yeah. And electrifies her. <laughs> <laughs> Some brutal stuff. And um, so once Ryu, so like the time is like, once Ryu finishes his revenge and he gets injured in the process, but survives. Um, he goes back to the apartment, but then finds that like it's police ridden and yeah. something's going down. And then he finds out he finds the corpse to Young Mi, and there's like that little scene in the elevator. And so after that, they both stake each other's houses out, basically on like who's gonna go home first. And Ryu is the one who basically gives up first and goes back to where he lives. And he finds Dong Jing sleeping inside of his apartment. Um, but he was only pretending to do so. So when he like tries to barge in through the front door, he like wires it with uh, electricity and basically captures him. So Dong Jing kind of like revels in the moment of getting him, but ultimately decides to take him back to the river the next day, tie him up, and then basically murder him the same way that his daughter died, yeah. which is just drown him. So he cuts his like, his Achilles heels and he drowns on his own. Um and so Dong Jin tries to basically get away with that. And, like, I don't know if he was going to leave his body parts in the river or, like, bury it or something. But we kind of see him in the moment of doing that until he's visited by, like, this gang of guys who are terrorists or, like, anarchists. And it's, like, a callback to basically um, Young Mi wasn't bluffing when she said that if you kill me, uh, my terrorist friends are basically going to find you and murder you because they have your picture now if something happens to me. And it wasn't a bluff. And they stabbed that guy to death. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pretty much. And then they leave him to die in this in the scene. Mm. And that's uh that's the ending of the film. So it's interesting. Intense. <laughs> <laughs> it's intense. It's, it's very intense. It's intense. Uh, so you tell me, what how did you uh kind of stumble upon this film? What's your experience like? Um I think I watched it after I watched Old Boy. <laughs> Funny, yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, I watched Old Boy. I enjoyed it a lot. Well, it it was when like Old Boy was like really, really um, popping off, <laughs> mm. and a lot of people were like praising it. Old Boy, and Old so, boy. I, but I didn't watch it when it first came out. I watched it actually like way later. Okay. Um, but it was still like really popular and mm. really um, especially like a lot of the scenes and people were very uh. Like, they liked very specific scenes within the movie or, yeah, like, yeah. specific moments of, of the movie. And I, and I, I actually, the reason why I watched Old Boy 
was because there's an action scene in in old boy that i really yeah. love that that uh, hallway scene where they fight in the hallway iconic yeah and so that's the reason why i watched <laughs> old boy um but after <laughs> watching that i kind of wanted to see um what his other movies were about mm. and so i did watch the first one and um funny enough i, I like i really have I feel like there's a lot of similarities between this and uh, Memories of Murder. So um, many. It's but, it's like scary. But it's interesting because like I feel like Memories of Murder has maybe almost like a a bit more um what's the word? Like methodical way of sure yeah. Uh, like like intellectual. Intellectual. Yeah, yeah. It's more intellectual in 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 a sense where I feel like this movie is a little more emotional yeah. in the way that it, it's told yeah and it, it's very funny and it's very interesting because um they're both very um gritty and like very like you know yeah very rough and hard to <laughs> hard to watch right it's not e- it's not an easy watch uh-huh. but they and and they feel very similar to in, in the way that um they're kind of told yeah and even the last e- like the last scene where you just see Song Kang-ho like um, <laughs> looking back at the at the car, yeah. almost looks like the ending scene of like when he he's looking at the right. uh, yeah looking at the screen, like looking back at the audience. They're like, both like that, empty. In that th- same yeah, way. that empty feeling yeah. is kind of there. It's kind of interesting, but um, but yeah, like there is that nuance there. I feel like where one's a little more intellectual. It feels for me at least, yeah, a little more intellectual. While this one feels a little more emotional. You know what it feels like? It's like they it's like they were pitched the same idea and like you know how there's like that saying or whatever like i bet you if you give the same script to like five different directors like it'll all be different, it'll all be different. Yeah. this is what that feels like yeah like they were both handed the same like script and then they just both put their own spin on it mm. yeah it's kind of like that it, it's very uncanny but it's very uh-huh. like fun to watch because of that knowing and having watched like the other film too mm-hmm. i'm just kind of like seeing the comparisons but in terms of like a a revenge movie, I feel like it has a lot of similarities with um, a bittersweet life the movie wa- mm. that we watch as well. Yeah. In terms of just its basic structure of revenge and like uh, how yeah. how like revenge like comes back full circle. 100%. Like it's like com- it's like exactly the same 100%. in in terms of that like plot point, right? Yeah. And I feel like this movie did it better. You know, like in, in like Agreed. in the way that it utilize the coming like the full circle Mm -hmm. i feel like it did better um it was more clear and just like the film itself is so much more like entertaining and like i found myself more engaged well i I thought both were entertaining but but i i I my opinions are in that episode (laughs) but (laughs) but but i do i do think that this film does a better job of um like laying down the the steps yeah. to understanding every point. Whereas mm-hmm. I felt like um, a bittersweet life had a, a few, like not necessarily plot holes, but like a few moments where I felt like they either should have fleshed it out more or they just should have just gotten Cut. rid of. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's why I feel like they did it better here. And, uh, and obviously they're different revenge stories, mm-hmm. but I think the basic, the basic like plot, like a through line of it is the same. So that's why I'm mentioning it. Right. And that's why I just thought it was kind of interesting to see and, and to, um, yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I was thinking about that like today when I was just kind of going through the movie and every, all the notes and stuff in my head. 
I was like trying to figure out like I don't know what I kind of thought of what the movie was trying to say, and it, and basically like it's what you said that really the movie is kind of saying nothing more than like revenge being a full circle and like violence. It always comes back, right? right? Like you know, violence breeds more violence, and all those things. Like it's a very broad and like straightforward theme and like message and it's not really saying anything else funny enough but like it is a very good movie and story but it, it just like i was thinking of in the way that it feels flat a little bit in the sense that like you know we're not really spending a lot of times with the characters individually and like the reason that maybe that theme and message comes out the way it does is because the movie is really f- kind of focused on like beats and like the pacing and it just goes from like one event to the other like it's very almost plot driven Mm. versus like uh, character driven exactly yeah it's interesting because this film a lot of times you almost feel like a fly on the wall Uh in one sense where like you're not so invested in the characters like you're not like you obviously you care about the characters in certain ways but i don't think you're invested in the kind like the the camera the camera placement and the way that they use the camera and the way that they, you know, do that doesn't yeah. make you like they they don't put you like literally in the shoes of the mm. character, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like in a bittersweet life, they use the camera in such a way where you're kind of one with like the main character, right? right. The protagonist. Right. You're like you're like walking with the protagonist. You're with the protagonist almost every single time. Exactly. Whereas this film, it's like. You're with you in the beginning, and then it switches to Dongjin later on. Yeah, and it, you know it, it's pretty rare for you to see the main character coming in like exactly. way later, right? Yeah, and and I really like that about this film yeah. because it's not afraid to do that. It's not mm-hmm. afraid to be like, you know, Ryu is obviously one of the main characters, but usually <laughs> when you watch a movie, like. They are not. They they're scared to put a main character that late because that means that you don't have the level of investment in that character mm-hmm. because you know they're just not there, right? You just just don't see them until yeah. later. And so having the confidence to know that this story is not necessarily about an individual person, mm-hmm. but it's more about the theme and exactly. the and the story itself yeah. is is really a key. Understands what he's trying to do, like right what he wants to get out of this film mm. and that it's not necessarily like a character piece but it's it's about the themes and the story and obviously about revenge yeah yeah 100 percent. like like you said it, it works really great because like the movie has a clear identity and like obviously park chung had a clear vision and he ran with it and like really stuck to it to his guns 100 percent on the movie and like i said everything supports like that one theme of like revenge mm-hmm. and showing like you know what that breeds and what that's about and like why it's bad or something and so we're, we're not really finding ourselves to be invested in the characters too much yeah we're more of like watching the sequence of events and like how things play out and it's really just all about how things play out yeah at the end of the day right and i and i really loved how this movie really shows you everything but what like we really want like yeah. like it, it it plays with you in in the sense that like 
a lot of times within the scene, mm. like something big is happening. Yeah. But they he never shows it. Like it's always off screen, right? Like like it's all you hear the sound of it, but you never actually see what's going on or something like that, right? Right. And I and I, I really like that approach um because it engages the audience to like wants to know what's going on <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. A lot of times, like for example, um Ryu goes goes to the um, he goes to get his revenge on the organ organ uh, the sellers, dealers, yeah, the yeah. dealers, and he goes in and like he uh, bashes one guy's head in, oh, and yeah. then he he goes and then the woman is sitting in the chair <laughs> and like she walks up with the <laughs> knife, yeah. but you never see her like stabbing him or you never see what's like going on, like exactly. what happens there. But it later on it just cuts to Ryu like holding his stomach and he's like bleeding out, right? Mm-hmm. And you infer and you like you know. But like at that moment, the audience wants to see that, right? You yeah. want to see that happening, but but he doesn't give you that because he knows that that's exactly what you want and what you're curious about, and you really your imagination will do better than yeah, what he yeah. can show you, and and th- that's just one example. But he does that numerous times within the th- within the film. Like for example, when um, the girl drowns, right, and she's just like kind of floating, but you never really get a full like. Of like you, that moment of there's like dying. one shot of like her just underwater like uh-huh. a split second and then like she's just kind of like on there. near the rock or whatever and mm. you just see you like his reaction to that yeah and same like, thing with the sister like exactly you just like you get one scene that she figures out that something is up and like you know she calls like the yeah. former employer to like kind of inquire right and then all of a sudden the next time we're back in the apartment like, she dead. She's, <laughs> she's dead. dead. <laughs> like, and and the, even how he shows the letter too, right? It's like yeah. two two like sentence. Like it's like it's like the whole page has like <laughs> it's a whole paragraph, right? But you right. only see like two words of the whole paragraph. <laughs> yeah. And you just already get the sense of what's happening and mm-hmm. like the urgency there. Yeah. And like those things I feel like are really um really well done mm. in, in in like drawing the uh, audience's attention yeah to wanting to know what that is right because yeah. you as a human being you're like oh what does she write exactly on the <laughs> on the letter right you kind of yeah. want to know exactly what happened and normally i guess you know they would they would show you the whole thing because it's like a very shocking thing right yeah. <gasps> like she wrote a suicide letter like oh you want to see the whole content of it but you don't even need to show all that and i think him doing that shows that he knows like the mind of the audience or like mm. understands like what the audience yeah. um will be drawn towards and how to almost manipulate the audience exactly. into um into being engaged in the movie yeah it, it's it supports like what we said earlier of like we're not completely like we're really just being taken away from investment of the characters like he's showing us you know these scenes and he's like cutting them short like just showing us enough to kind of like grasp what's going on, but not giving us enough to like relish or you know even like feel something with the character right. essentially. So he's just like he's taking information away and it's disting ourselves from like you know like the nuances and like the details and like the characters themselves. Right. And it's just like nope, here's what you need to know. Here's the next beat of like right. what's gonna go on in the sequence of events. Yeah, like like I said, we never like. Even for, like, once he discovers that his sister has committed suicide in the bath, and, like, you know, he, like, screams out and, like, cries. Like, that's just, like, a quick cut, and then we're back into, like, the car. Like, mm. we're not there when he's feeling trauma, right. when he's feeling sad. And it's the same thing with Dong Jing. 
Like we're just we just get like a sliver of what going goes on, but we're never like really there. You don't relish the in the moment exactly. of that emotion, right? So like, we're constantly being distanced from like these very intimate moments. Right. Like, you're not of. you're not in that moment. Like you're not given the time to like mm -hmm. like take in all of the emotions. <laughs> Which is funny because you know, like I said that it is a it, it feels like a very emotional yeah. movie. But yeah, it's it's interesting because it does do that. Mm -hmm. But I do still feel like it is a very like yeah. emotionally driven. It's intense. That's because like it's right? intense. Like, right, it is intense. What you're what is there and like what we're being shown is still right. like really extreme. Right, you right. know what I mean. And the and, and the characters themselves, I feel like, are emotional. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's the thing. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. He said like because I was reading in another interview, he was saying one of his main things that he wanted to get across to an audience was like he wanted people to like physically feel what's going on. Yeah. You know, like probably rather than emotionally. Yeah. He wanted like people to like physically feel like the pain and like the acts of vengeance that were going on between characters. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was really well accomplished. Yeah. Versus anything else. Because I feel like sometimes the like the relish, like the relishing in the moment mm -hmm. and like, you know, like for example, let's say for example, that moment when she, um, when uh, Ryu's sister committed suicide and she mm -hmm. figures it out, he goes into into the bathroom and like he he's like hugging her, right? Like, yeah. Hugging her head or whatever. Like it it could have been a moment where he like really like yeah. embellished it, right? And like really made it something that we as the audience can can like connect with yeah. emotionally and like like I guess like um, suck it for all <laughs> it's worth, right? That right, moment yeah. for all it's worth. Um, but by not doing that or like or like by doing that it it, it kind of um, gives us an attachment to the character but exactly. then when he doesn't do that it it al allows us to kind of think about like the things around it right and yeah. and kind of understand like okay so what what is like the bigger picture of what's going on here so exactly yeah and like I I think like we're not supposed to take sides with anybody. Either. Yeah, yeah. Because like obviously we're, you know, in the beginning we're following Ryu for, like basically like for a full hour, like half of the film, and then it switches to Dong Jing for like the last hour with a little bit of duality. But like I said, we're not really supposed to take sides with either party. Like we're supposed to see what happens in a very like um, neutralistic perspective. Right, like a fly on the wall. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like. Because we, at some point, you feel sympathy for you, what's happening, you feel, and yeah. at other times you're like, "Well, that was like not right," you know. And then the same thing with like Don Jin, like at sometimes you feel sympathy because he just lost his daughter, but at other times you're like knowing the events that happened that led to that, you know. And it's like, oh, you know, it kind of feels justified why he's taking revenge. Yeah. Like we're constantly having sort of. There's no right and wrong here, right? Exactly. Well, there is, but, but like <laughs> they're all wrong. <laughs> they're all wrong. <laughs> they're all wrong. <laughs> Everything that happened was mm. nah. -uh. Right. But yeah, but like that's you know that was all supporting that. Like if we're staying with Uryu in those moments and we're like embellishing in, in the moments that he's you know in pain or like whatever, like in glory or whatever, it's we're just gonna like naturally side with him. Yeah. Like that's not the purpose. Right. Like, yeah. Movie. He doesn't give you an opportunity yeah. to do that. And even with like, I feel like that was really hard to accomplish with Don Jin specifically, because he's such a, like, victim of, right. like, especially when he's introduced. Um, and like, he did a really good job of even just kind of distancing, distancing us from his character yeah. at the end of the day. Um, 
and then like really seeing like oh you know he was kind of this victim and then he turns into this vigilante yeah almost at the end of it and then we can kind of see like the ugly side of mm-hmm. this character you know in a very um like objective way yeah so that's what i was thinking a lot before was just being introduced to Jong- dong jing in the beginning like when it's he finds his daughter laying on the rock and then the only the only scene that we see him emotionally crying out is like there but it's like this extremely wide shot of the entire crime scene yeah and then you just hear him in the background like right. this little fly you know that's the thing that. right if it was if he had the intention of making it an emotional scene mm-hmm. you'd be right next to him right exactly. you'd be in the moment you'd have this like close up of his face mm-hmm. and him crying and you have a close up of the baby and yeah. going back and forth and you'd have that as like a <laughs> whole emotional scene but yeah. yeah like you said it's this wide shot across the river like people are just exactly. going doing their work doing their job you yeah. know at the crime scene and you hear him like crying a little mm. bit and yeah. there's like like that split second of him like close up and then we're back to, and then we're back to the like, wide yeah. yeah it's an interesting way that he did it like even thinking so one of my favorite shots is um, in the uh, what's it called the autopsy. It's like the only yeah. like intimate moment we have is it's just that close up of the autopsy on his daughter, and he's there in the room, and then like you hear the sounds of what's going on. He's just like internally breaking down, and you feel for him in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then cut to later once he finds his sister's body, we're back in that room, but he's just like oh. he's yawning. Yeah. <laughs> he's yawning. It's just like yeah, I love that juxtaposition. It's there. another day in the office kind yeah. of deal. And it really just subverts what you felt in the beginning in a way. Mm. You're like, oh, now this is... The-. He's basically just a different character entirely right. at that like, point. Like, who he cares about just changes the way that <laughs> he is in that in that, in that that room. Yeah. So I was like... Just really powerful. Like, really, really cool. Yeah, it's just like... It's such a great juxtaposition there. Yeah, mm. I really agree. Um, But on that note, any other favorite moments? Anything that really kind of calls out to you in this film? Yeah. Scenes? You know, surprisingly, this film really um, doesn't have a lot of dialogue. I was going to say that. I think for, like, all intents and purposes, it's almost a silent film mm. because of the lack of dialogue. They could have it silent and you there would be no problem watching the film. Exactly. And I think that that's a mark of a good film, to be honest. Mm. They use the film as a medium really well. This is basically what, when you're in film school and your professors are like, show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. Like the golden rule, like this movie is really the golden right. example of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree because so many times, you know, you don't, they don't have to say mm-hmm. much, right? You already understand what's going on. <laughs> like, I think Park Chanak is like really a master of like mm-hmm. duality or like complete opposites. Yeah. Like, for example, when um, we're they're in the house and the sister is like crying out in pain in, in the other room. Like, there's these guys masturbating, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to the sound of her moaning. <laughs> And then it's it's just like that that like opposite like and the and the way that you can perceive one thing yeah. and and how another person can perceive another thing and he just constantly does that throughout the film right yeah for yeah. like that whole juxtaposition in the in the uh, autopsy room is like a perfect example of that where mm-hmm. like you know at one moment you can completely be sad because of this character who's mourning for his daughter mm-hmm. and then another moment the dude's yawning because. You know, he just happened, well, he happened to find the yeah. sister, right? He didn't even, like, he just stumbled upon it because he was throwing rocks in right. the river. And, and you know, he has, like, no sympathy for that, for that you know, sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but just stuff like that is just really 
you know, well done, I think, <laughs> in, in, like, showing that. Um, but like, you mentioned, like, favorite scene. I think one of my favorite scene is um, when Dongjin takes you into the river, and he's about mm-hmm. to uh, kill him. But he says, like, you're a nice person, right? So you understand that you understand it even if I kill you. Right. I just I love that scene. I love that dialogue, and yeah. I love that scene because it's just, like, it 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 kind of sums up like everything. Yeah, I mean, like it's really vocalizing your entire thoughts. Uh-huh. You're like, who's in the wrong here? Kind of nobody, strangely enough. Yeah. But but at the same time, kind of everybody. And and like I'm still going to do what I have to do or what I want to do, right? Yeah. Because this is how I feel. Yeah. Like, it's inevitable. It, yeah, yeah. Right. And and that's what he's basically saying. He's like saying. I understand you know, what's going on with you. Like, mm-hmm. I understand your situation <laughs> that your sister, you know, died, uh, committed yeah. suicide, and that you needed money and that all of that. I understand all of that. Like, I get it. But, but my daughter's <laughs> dead, and I yeah. still have to kill you. you. You know, you you understand where I'm coming from, right? Yeah. Like, that's, like, literally what he's saying, but in, like, one sentence. And it was just, like, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he, like, Udu's reaction, too, and he's just, like, trying to kind of sympathize to get through with him. But, like, it just all leads you down to like this one path yeah. at the end of the day, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's futile. We know it's going to get here. Mm. What do you think of like the ending after? So I totally forgot of like the actual ending when the, the terrorist guys come come up oh, yeah. and then murder him. I actually totally forgot that that's how the movie ended. And it just kind of goes full circle. It's like, ah, it feels like a very, it goes back to like a surrealistic kind of feeling for the yeah. movie, you know? Like here and there, the movie kind of plays with like, more surreal elements yeah per se and like that's kind of what it kind of goes back to well for that scene for me i was thinking a lot about like i talked about before a bittersweet smile and Mm. and a bittersweet life yeah (laughs) a bittersweet life and how you know even there at the end like you know the guys the arms dealer's brother comes and he kills um the main character right and it's basically the same here, if you think about it, right? Like it's true. a third party comes in and basically kills yeah. the um, protagonist. It's just like a character. final nail in the coffin to like the right. game. Yeah. And and I was wondering why it worked or it felt better here mm. um, than in A Bittersweet Life. And I think it's because of the way that the whole film was shot. And the, the, the progress, the pacing of it, right? Mm. And... And how they introduce the characters or how they introduce, yeah, the characters. And because the film in in this story, a lot of the characters, like, we have, we un- we know them, but we don't really know them. And, right. and that goes on, like, constantly with all of the characters. And so when the, uh, when the gang, right, when the, yeah. the terrorists or whatever, when the gangs came um, to kill the main character here, Tong Jin here, like it kind of felt like oh wow like oh this is inevitable like <laughs> yeah. like the thing that um, Young Me said yeah is not yeah right it, of course <laughs> it's supposed it's the payoff right that little seed um, paid off at yeah. the end and I think that's why I it felt like a very satisfying thing mm-hmm. whereas in a bittersweet life like you kind of get introduced to the character but because it's such a character driven story. Mm. Like you don't have a chance to get invested in that character, like the the arms uh, dealer's brother, yeah, 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 yeah. right? Like you get introduced yeah. to him, and and you kind of think of him as okay, he yeah. might be some important character, mm-hmm. but all you get of him basically is him 
going to his arms dealer's brother's place and right. like, figuring it out. Yeah. And then later on, he just kills him. Right? And it, it feel it doesn't feel as like earned. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in so, this film, like, there is no moment to be earned. Like, there's nothing to be earned because <laughs> right. all the characters kind of have that in them, where it's like there's the same level of like, yeah, there's as we know them. Right, same level of objectivity. Right, there's yeah. no like subjective like emotional investment that we have. In all of the characters, they're kind of evenly, you know, you distributed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in in a uh, bittersweet life, it's like they're, they're you're supposed to be really intensely uh, invested in characters, right? Right. And so it's because like it's because we've been like with the main character for so long. Yeah. Like having a a third party that we really have no connection to whatsoever. Right. Taking the life of the protagonist, we feel like oh that was cheap. Yeah. On right, the protagonist right, right. part, it kind of feels like, cheap, right? Yeah. Like. He was already dying, and like you just killed him. It kind yeah. of felt cheap, and so I think that's the difference. And like the payoff uh, of it here was a lot um, was a lot lower. The stakes were a yeah, lot yeah. lower in 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 um, in <coughs> Mister Vengeance. Yeah. Whereas the stakes in in uh, a bittersweet life uh, was a lot higher in terms of like him being the one to kill. Kill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah, because like. Here, like, even though we didn't know the terrorists at all, like, there was just a brand new third party that came by. Yeah. Because of the connection with Young Mi, like, we knew, like, Young Mi was on the same playing field of, like, character, of character, like, investment with Dong Jing and, um, and Ryu. And so, like, once, like, her of vengeance was paid off, it felt justified, like, oh, like, right, right, of, right. like, of course, that character has yeah. another. Yeah, we felt like kind of grateful, like oh, like like she was avenged, awesome, uh-huh. kind of, uh-huh. you know, because we were because we still had a level of investment towards her, right, right. you know. So it's like they said, it's kind of like evenly spread that we are invested in everybody, right? And that and even though everybody dies, it feels like we're like justified in everybody being killed. And them coming isn't like oh, they're a complete new party. They're right. like a surrogate for exactly. Young, right? Yeah, it's not like they're they're just uh, yeah. random people. Yeah. They like. They're called because of Young Me, exactly, right? and that's why it feels like a great payoff because uh-huh. the way that they sell it, in backtracking into the scene of their interrogation, it's like, oh, she, she's definitely calling a bluff. Like she's trying, like we know her as a radical. Like I felt like that's a bluff on her uh-huh. part for sure. Like she's just trying to cover her ass yeah. and maybe get through it. Uh-huh. And then Dong Jing, just being full deep into whatever, kills her anyway. Yeah, and it's like, okay, fine. And then. Once that, like, once it turns out to be legit at the end, it's like, ah, like, that's cool. Right. You know what I mean? Like, okay. whereas in a bittersweet life, the arms dealer is like, who cares yeah. about the arms dealer? It's just brother? a bad guy. Like, yeah, it was it's just, just a dude. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah. the, that's the difference, I think. Right? 100%. Yeah. No, that's a good point. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. Just like, oh, like, Ryu dies. It's like, oh, justified for sure for Dong Jing. Mm. And then, like, Dong Jing, Dong Jing dies. It's like, oh, definitely justified for, like, Young Mi. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and that's the the point of the story is, like, you know, revenge yeah. begets revenge. Exactly. Like, it, like, the point is, like, it's not good for anybody. Mm. You know, like, it, it's all just going to be, like, it's just consistently bad. <laughs> like, it's just going to be a shitty day. <laughs> <laughs> no one wins. No one wins. Uh yeah, so I, on that note, actually, I really like the elevator shot a lot <laughs> when um, Sodiu comes back, and then he's like, what's going on? And he goes up to the apartment, and then he's escorted out. Mm. Or he, like, tries to flee back in the elevator, and then the detectives walk in the elevator, and it's, like, super intense. Like, this is the guy you're looking for. 
and then he just happens to be right next to Young Mi's corpse. Yeah. Like, I really like how that one all played out. Mm. Um, I think I had one more. Oh, yeah. I thought this was really smart, though, was, like, so once we get introduced to Young Mi, so he goes over to her apartment, and they're talking, but, like, the blocking of it is, like, there's a mirror, like, yeah. in front and, like, behind the camera. And I just thought it was really cool to see, like, because obviously he's deaf and they know they communicate through ASO. So it's like, you don't really, naturally, like you want both of them in the frame, but they're talking, so they'd have to be looking at each other. Or like, you has to be looking at her, obviously, to talk. But there's a mirror in front, so they can both be looking at the camera yeah. and still communicate. And yeah. so we, as an audience, we both see them like fully as they talk and mm-hmm. expressions. Versus like, say they were profile and looking at each other, and we have like a level of disconnect. I just thought it was really smart, like how he was able to play that scene out. Right, they don't have to cut to exactly. two different shots, right? Yeah, they're all in one frame. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like there was nothing like essentially special going on in this because it was like right when they first met. Yeah, and they were really just talking about nothing because they were talking about like oh, I heard that story of that guy that has two heads, and then oh, yeah. he, like shot himself in one of the heads to kind of yeah, like or he had a headache so to get rid of the migraine. Oh yeah. So it was just kind of like a throwaway dialogue scene, but it was just the way that we were able, like I was able to kind of see it, yeah. see them and see how they communicate without it being. I'm sure like, there's a reason why he did that. Probably. I'm just trying to think about what what might be the reason. But smart use of a mirror, like 100. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because I found myself like, what are they looking at? Because like they're both looking forward mm-hmm. into the lens. Yeah, mirror. <laughs> right, but I yeah. The second watch through, I was well, like, well, I think uh, I, it's interesting because in the beginning, you never you don't see their face. It's just the mirror exactly, covers the shot. Exactly, because you're behind the mirror. yeah, you're behind the mirror, and then and they're talking, and and you don't see their face. That's one another example of like the, him not showing you and giving you like a yeah. desire to want to know who they are. Right, mm-hmm. like he does that constantly in the movie. Yeah, where where like he's teasing you and he's like, yeah, like. Something interesting's <laughs> going on, but you can't see it. And then when he kind of finally shows you, you're like, okay, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> that's cool. It's kind of neat. Yeah. But, yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. So, th- this is my second time watching the film. Um, so, when I first watched it, it was... I've only seen it one other time, obviously. And it was like, I think right when The Handmaiden came out, mm. I saw it when... I think it was like 2016. I saw it when it came out in theaters. It got like a very limited run. This is when I was living in a Jacksonville, Florida at the time. So I saw it at like my favorite art house theater. And after watching that movie, um, I was like, I should really go back and watch Park Chan-wook's other films. And I, I think I started with Old Boy as well. And then I went back and watched Symphony for Mr. Vengeance. Um, and yeah, I mean, like my feelings are pretty much consistent with <laughs> how I watched it first first time which was like straight morbidness really and it's like kind of hard to watch yeah especially on your first time um but it's funny watching it now kind of like especially knowing who the actors are like i totally forgot Simon Oh was in this movie and i was like oh that guy's like huge (laughs) (laughs) but at the time like i really wasn't aware with you know like the the actors and like you know their kind of status um like beiduna is amazing and so I was really excited to kind of see her. Um, and even, like, Ryu, he's really big. Yeah. Uh, Shin Ha-kyung. Yeah. Um, so they're all kind of, like, babies in this film. But there was a few other things in, like, the movie itself that I picked up, which I forgot. 
like one i kind of like we really like we talked about it being like a very silent film um i thought that was really neat um there was a whole like thinking about memories of murder there's so many like strange parallels like even between like the village kid and just like being a murder case yeah. and like all that there's some like weird i have some nitpicks with this movie though i i really do have some nitpicks with it like another thing that i didn't realize was Dong Jin kills the delivery guy. So, like, the guy that delivers the food at the apartment. There's, like, a quick shot of... Wait, did he die? Yeah. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh. It's, like, a quick shot. But once he goes back to the apartment, the um they escalate somebody out of the apartment oh, and the right. bed. And it's a quick, sh- like, top-down shot of the delivery guy. Oh. And I was like... Right, right, right. It has to be some other person because... Because uh, he has that, to see yeah, young yeah, me yeah. in the thing. Young me's in, yeah. in the elevator. In the elevator. But I was like... So that was one thing that I re-realized. I was like, oh, he actually killed that guy. Mm. Which, like, I guess that makes sense. But also, like, in the scene, how would he have seen? Like, it it, it, it didn't seem clear, like, he was a witness yeah. to it, you yeah. know? So the fact that he killed him was like, why? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's bit. never given you any context. Right. And so that, that quirk kind of, like, quarrels with other things that I felt about the movie. So let me see what I got. So... <laughs> one is like when they're staking each other out. Do you staking out Dong Jing's home? And there's like he pees in like the bottle. Yeah, the bottle. And he leaves it outside of his car. Yeah. Like you can't like you're giving yourself away. <laughs> because uh, of the, <laughs> like it's outside of the car door. Like but like nothing funny is going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like throw it in the backseat or something. That was one that was one thing. Two is a uh, I think that's I can give you the, give that a pass. Come on, oh, man. come on! Like, it's more of an artistic, you know, sensibility. What? It's what? Like, like it's there for comical, kind of, but like le- like legitimately, come on. I mean, would, like throw it under the wait, car. Come on, <laughs> think about mean? it though. Would would he really care that there's a bo- bottle of urine just chilling there? I mean, when given that like Dongjing, like <laughs> basically knows to do. Yeah, like he knows what's like who to look for, what's going on. Yeah. So like if you're coming back home and you see a strange car sitting there <laughs> with and, like, a two bottle bottles, of your- <laughs> like don't jeez no no stupid head, you know what I mean? Like obviously the guy's smart. Um I think I think that's more of like he didn't anticipate staying there that long. Right. That's why he did that. Not like Yeah, but still like I don't think he would have done that if like, you know, like Right. Because he leaves by the end when after the second bottle. <laughs> yeah. But still. The like, first bottle's there for a while, but the <laughs> second bottle. Wait, so like as soon as he sees Donji's car comes up, he'd be like, get the bottle off the, off the ground really quick. Nah, he's just. He's like, oops, so let me not, let me not get it. No, it's just Gatorade. <laughs> it's just Gatorade, man. Golden Gatorade. Yeah, man. It's like apple juice. It's the it's lemon, lemon Gatorade. Damn. Um, Another core was like, the injury that you had once you get stabbed with the scalpel, like that's a severe injury, mm. you know, and like it's staying persistent throughout even after the fact. But do you think in what world that he'd still be able to operate like a day after suffering from that kind of gash? <laughs> like he gets stabbed and he's clearly like. Well, it depends on how how deep the wound. That thing was deep though. Uh, you know, he was know. bleeding out. Maybe it was from it, the extra blood was from his kidney thing, <laughs> and he's missing a kidney. <laughs> Come on, like you, you let, never know. You would have been like out cold at least by like I mean, that night, you know. It is what it is. Maybe that <laughs> adrenaline, <laughs> adrenaline kicked in. 
I was I was like, that's that guy was pushing something, you know. I mean, maybe he took the drug that that one. <laughs> took thinking, some coke yeah. to keep him going. Yeah. Um, why am I defending this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, that, okay. This is I guess this is kind of passable, but I was like, how did you sister truly not know anything was weird going on, like mm-hmm. any fucking business, especially when you like starts taking pictures of the girl crying, like. That's a random thing to do, yeah. You know, um, there's a so there's actually kind of like a little inconsistency here, which is the picture that he takes, right? Yeah. She doesn't have the necklace on because he yeah, exchanged yeah. the he necklace exchanged after it, the yeah. fact. But the picture that Dong Jin receives, yeah, she's wearing on. the necklace. Maybe he she had two. <laughs> but you gotta show that. Yeah. You gotta show that. So there's a there's a little uh, what is that um. Consistency. Mm-hmm. I forgot the word. I can't think of it right now. Inconsistency. Inconsistency. Um, another one. Oh yeah. So the old guy uh-huh. that sits Sitting on the couch there. outside, outside that he like keeps putting out the pants for. Uh-huh. What is the purpose of that? Why is that even there? Just to show the situation at hand. It does, for what needs, situation? The man needs help. This <laughs> the man needs help. There was zero. Zero reason. Sometimes you don't put things in the movie for there to be a specific purpose per se. But is to, that just to show that he's like a good guy? Like he's like to bring, yeah, like to kind of uh, set the stage, you know, set the scene and uh, kind of show you the world and kind of help you understand what's going on and the people there. And, and like, yeah, and remember the save the cat. Just if you <laughs> help a person, you're automatically likable in the mind of the audience. Okay, kind of fair, but I mean, it just yes. shows it just shows that he's not the worst person ever, right? Yeah, he's a deaf dude, but he's willing yeah. to help another man. That's what I was saying. There's so many other points that automatically give you, give him like likable pass. Well, I think it's just adding another dimension, you know? Like he's just some yes. random dude in the. I think, and it's more. I think when I was watching that scene, it wasn't more like some random dude he's never seen before but mm-hmm. he's it's a man who, who he yeah, does yeah. it for every day right 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 he goes there the man always has his pants down he puts <laughs> it back up and he goes, goes on along his with way, his day way, yeah but still like in the grand scheme of things it's like even to the point of how tight this movie is and and you're showing the routine right like right. that's what he does every time and then later on that scene comes back again but the old man Got has, nobody has nobody yeah, help his pants. No, yeah, there ain't pants no person forever. to have a you know have his pants up. So <laughs> commando kind of, all the time. <laughs> it shows you, you know, like there is this missing person there. We he need, is no longer there. We need you in this man's life. Yeah, and he's not there anymore. How sad must he be? You know, like it. it that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna feed the cat. Yeah. Damn. But yeah. But. Next one, so yeah, it, it, it it's whatever. It's not significant in the grand scheme of things, but I think it's still a nice little thing. Is what I'm trying to say. Sure, sure. it's nice. It's fine. That's what you shoot to like make time, <laughs> dude. It's like five seconds. Come on, it's not even like padding. It's not really even padding. Uh, it's whatever. It's whatever. We we can fight about it all day, but you know, at the end of the day, it's there. You know, um. And then the, the the other thing is how they actually kidnap the daughter remains a mystery. Yeah. Like, she just ends up at the house. They're, like, randomly pay, playing at the park mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Like, how 
<laughs> exactly. The That's like, I guess that goes along with your earlier yeah, point. Yeah, what I was talking about, yeah. It never tells you exactly what they did, right? Yeah, to it just do. kind of happens. Yeah. Which is what you want to see, right? You right. want to see how they get, how they kidnap the person uh-huh. and all that jazz. The, all the action, the media action. <laughs> but he's like, nah, that ain't nah. for you. <laughs> That's for your imagination, not for you. <laughs> just accept it. Yeah. It just so happens to be that way. So fine. I guess fine. But that one bothers me. Mm. Out of all the out of all the other choices made, I think that one kind of bothers me a little bit. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a valid. I think it's it's valid. Yeah. But I also think that it works though. Yeah, it works. I mean, like right? it still flows fine. And it, I think I think the way that it's shot and the way that it's edited, it if it had that, I mean, I don't think it would be like bad. But I think that it the way that it is edited, it's kind of mm. nice to not have that because. He's been doing that the whole time. Like that's right, a, right. the style of the film already. Mm. So I, I don't think it's like a necessarily a negative, but I think that even if it wasn't, it, it wouldn't be bad. Yeah. 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 So it also might feel like time consuming too, though. Like right. if you shoot like the whole heist kidnapping part mm-hmm. of it, it feels like it might take away from. But do you really need to know the logistics? Well, obviously not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like, sure, you prove your point there. but and, and and also, it's kind of like you may, you kind of wonder, like, okay, what happened that makes... Because, like, a kid isn't necessarily, like, um, like sad or crying. Right? She's kind right. of very chill at, at the house. Uh-huh. And it kind of makes you wonder, okay, maybe, like, they didn't necessarily, like, kidnap her, like, in the, in the sense of, like... Uh, yeah, yeah, putting obviously. like a putting like a yeah. bag over her head. Yeah, yeah. But it's more like convincing her, like persuading her, like with le- you know, like yeah, yeah. Hey, I got candy. <laughs> you know? I'm your uncle. I'm your, yeah, exactly. You haven't met me. So that's basically probably what they did, right? Right. right. And 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 they also lied to to her, her right? Yeah. Saying that uh, um, her mother or well, well uh, well, well, you, well you, you says oh don't don't yeah. talk to her. But that was a lie for the sister. Yeah, for the sister, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah but. Yeah. But like it's still kind of part of the whole thing yeah, where yeah, like yeah. you know he's trying to he's keeping them both keeping, in the dark yeah, oh, keep, yeah keep them both in the dark and and kind of yeah do that which that I had to rewatch that was like I don't know like even like like logic thing I had to rewatch that scene to be like to get the full idea of what was going on because it's it's a little hard for when I to tell that the sister was left in the dark up until like she kills herself and you're like oh she's finding some things out yeah like even then I'm like how much is the sister on it. We're not on it. Yeah, you know? she didn't know anything. She didn't know anything. Jack. <laughs> but having to go back and like, oh, like she told, or Ryu told his sister a lie and then is trying not to say it so that way the daughter doesn't be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. My parents are just divorced. Yeah. She ain't dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it took a second for me to kind of catch on to that point. Uh, Nonetheless, solid film. I really like this one. Like I said, it's it's really morbid. It's tough to watch the first time, but I definitely learned a lot. Definitely learned it my second time. Yeah, I mean, it's not gonna get any better. That's what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have uh, not weak stomachs yeah. going forward. Try to eat dinner before, mm. or yeah, just before. You probably won't be able to eat after. Um, cause old boy is uh, I guess worse. Maybe. It depends on how you see it, I guess. I guess. More shocking worse. Mm, more shocking, but not, I don't think not it's necessarily like worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as more it's not as um like gory. Ex- guess, yeah, exactly. But yeah, this one's definitely like 
explicit mm. and like showing its actions. But old <laughs> that's funny because you're like, oh, it doesn't show anything. <laughs> <laughs> the duality, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I think that all also has a lot to do with like our Im- imagination too, right? right? Yeah, because like our imagination starts filling in the in the uh, holes. Yeah, but like yeah. I said, like he gives you just enough. Yeah, of, like haunting inches. Yeah. like the shot of of um, the daughter just like quickly like floating in the or water, or even even like the doll. Right. Yeah, exactly. In the fire and stuff like that, kind of something's just changing. It's not. Yeah. It's not necessarily like, like repulsive, but it's like very eerie and yeah, almost yeah. like, oh man, that kind of feels. Yeah, it's just like, like it stays with you. Like yeah. you get a quick glance, and it's then, almost haunting. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And and that like split scene where like um, Dong Jin, when the daughter comes in in the house, he's like mm-hmm. in on sit, like he's like laying on the couch, and then daughter pops out of nowhere. Oh the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the like drowned surreal, daughter, yeah. yeah, like his imagination, he's like hallucinating or whatever. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, he definitely plays with surreal elements, like mm. very briefly, and that's consistent with all of this. And, I, and it, it, the interesting part is um, when the um, detective, uh-huh. the police detective, comes to his house. Yeah, the and water, then the water's there. Yeah, it's like, like haunted. He, you know, what happened. He slipped into the multiverse <laughs> in Memories of Murder, where Word. he wasn't actually a detective. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when he came back, he was like full detective mode. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was like, he was like laser focused. I'm going to find you. Yeah. I'm going to fuck him up. That's what happened. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Those guys are in on it. <laughs> Bong Joon-ho and Park Jung-wook. But uh, yeah. What do you think? What do you, I mean, you've seen all of the films that we're talking about, right? How do you? Where is this kind of? Um, I'll I'll make my decision after. after. Yeah, I'm interested. I'll, I'll say like I'll question. I'm interested to where particularly the handmaiden places on your list. Mm. I think, like I feel like mutually like sympathy for Lady Vengeance is bottom. But I'm interested. <laughs> Why to mutually? I didn't say anything about it. <laughs> if you think it's like much better, I would be shocked. <laughs> Um, Handmaiden I watched once. Okay. And when I first watched it, I liked it. But yeah, I don't know. It depends how high or low. I'll, I'll have to watch it again to make that mm. decision. But I, I do remember watching it. I enjoying it. Yeah, really. Like for all these movies, I've only seen them like once, once or twice. Yeah, me too. I think the Handmaiden is the one I've seen the most. But all other three of them, no, I've seen. I only watched all of them once. All right. Yeah. yeah, but the even old boy ones. Same. I saw those the fight scene like multiple times. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean that can't be. I was helped. like, yo, this is great. <laughs> that, that can't be helped. But the whole thing has an entirety. Yeah, yeah just, and it's not something that you want to watch. Like exactly, <laughs> you don't want to. It's it's for special occasions uh-huh. like this. You don't uh-huh. you, you don't want to go back. Same thing for sympathy vengeance. I'm like, I'm not gonna go back and. It's not something that you're like actively wanting to watch because it's such a great movie. Yeah, like like not great like fun movie. Yeah. It's not a fun movie. It's I don't feel about this movie like I feel about Storage or Nosuke, guys. Right. I, 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 but, like, definitely academically, I would, I would watch it more. Uh-huh. But, uh, but for self-pleasure. But, like, it's emotionally, not. <laughs> it's not always, like, it doesn't put you in the best best of places usually. Exactly. Know? Yeah. But it is a great film. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of chose my words wrong before, but, yeah. <laughs> it's a good film. Uh, yeah. So, next week will be... Old boy. Um, 
I mean, you haven't seen it, man. You've been living under a rock. Yeah, man with a with an axe with a hammer. With a hammer, yeah. hammer man. Yep, hammer man with no tongue. With the uh, spoilers, <laughs> with that disheveled hair, <laughs> that crazy man hair. That was pre Lee. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Lee's bedhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see this movie. I'm really actually interested to see kind of what I think about this movie again. Uh, it's been so long. Mm. It's really been so long. But yeah, so it should be exciting. Um, yeah. I'm not really sure where people can go see that one. Good luck. 2000s Korean movies were popping off, dude. Yeah. Well, like, you know, uh, Park Chan-wook is really probably like the most prominent figure in... Like, this is kind of... And Bong Joon-ho. And Bong Joon-ho. Like, this was kind of um, like what? Like, South Korean, like, new wave cinema. Mm. Like, this is when, like, they're modern and, like, they really popped off, like, in media in general. And yeah, so, like, to be honest, they're still popping off now. Yeah, like, it's really... <laughs> it's <laughs> like, I think, I think I, yeah, it's only, like, gotten, like, crazier because, like, yeah. people, I think... Now it's more... I, back then, it was more, like, of a new wave, like, um, exactly. more... But, but it was not as more... Not as mainstream, but now it's, like... Yeah. Very mainstream, mm-hmm. right? Like with like Squid Game and all that. Like exactly. people are just like going crazy over Korean, like yeah, Korean like film or like Korean TV shows and stuff like that. Because like before like two thousands, I mean, there wasn't really much going on on a global scale. Yeah, maybe not even. I mean, I can't speak for like nationally, but um, nationally, I mean, you know, like it was it they was popping off, right? right? But but then like once the two thousands hit, like now we have all these directors making films that are making huge waves and festivals and mm. the festivals is giving access to you know eyes globally and everywhere mm. and now and it's also just a more connected world right exactly compared to 2000s that's true so that's also another thing but but yeah like it kind of started with like a film community mainly mm. just like you know cinema and like cinema heads and such yeah. and then now with like really streaming i think is has done it for today right. with like convenience of just television and dramas yeah and so now it's like it's gone from kind of like a niche like into a cinema world to just a media world in general Mm. because it's like not only television it's music it's like idols it's Mm. all these things that are kind of hitting it so one little small country is making it big yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean i got their phone i mean to be honest not everything that comes out of you know korea is like great sure there are a lot of flops too, you know, <laughs> in, in Korean yeah. film. But I mean, undeniably, like definitely. But I do think that the ability for Korea, Korea to make good films, mm-hmm. there's a higher chance for Korean movies to be b- good than for Hollywood movies to be good these days. I feel like. Right. I don't know. It's kind of sad, but. Yeah. What do it, you think that is like? Is it just like craving something new, like? Hollywood is doing Hollywood like we Hollywood know, has we know been, that formula. Uh, maybe, but it's also because I feel like Korea, like as of now at least, mm. has they they're more willing to take risks. Sure. In, in terms of cinema, like in terms of films and and new films and and things that they haven't seen before. Mm. Whereas I feel like Hollywood really cannot or it's does not want to. Um, take risk at all yeah and they're really focused on focused on nostalgia and and also remakes and <coughs> and Keep securing securing the money right securing and yeah. making sure that money is happening whereas i feel like in korea they still want the money obviously but they kind of 
know that or understand fundamentally that if there is something new and and interesting and and good and great, yeah, and if that pops off, then they'll make money, right? Yeah, and, and I think that's a little bit of a difference. Hollywood is so like stuck in their ways. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is why I, I really think that a twenty four and 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 really companies viral. like that really are pushing the boundaries um, more than Hollywood, right? And right. they're still kind of pushing and and taking risks. Like even even if you look at films like um, the Green Knight and mm-hmm all the other um, movies yeah. that they endorse like the lighthouse and yeah. stuff like that is it, it really shows you that they have a different approach to how they pick their films yeah, compared I mean, to hollywood i mean a24 specifically is pushing uh cinema as like an art versus a product yeah whereas exactly hollywood is the opposite obviously well yeah hollywood is like uh, how, how much money can we make <laughs> exactly whereas uh, i feel like a24 focuses a little bit more on like yeah. the quality of the film and, and what it's trying to do yeah. um, as a film itself, right? Even when you l- watch a movie like Minari, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's like a completely niche film. Gotcha. Whereas like, I feel like Hollywood is like, there's so many bad films, <laughs> right? Just objectively, it's just not yeah, good films, yeah, yeah. right? Like, it's just such a product. They're just targeting film. like entertainment. Yeah. And, like, it's pizzazz. Like, for example, I didn't even watch it, but like Space Jam 2. Uh-huh. <laughs> Come on, like, eh, like it's completely, wow. like, yeah. you know, yeah, a product <coughs> of nostalgia and just going off the fame of a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was, <laughs> I mean, Space Jam one was like that too, but at least it was original. <laughs> yeah, at least it was the first of its kind. Yeah, right? Like, at least, at least it was original. It was. Like, I love that film. Space Jam is playing off like you know nostalgia of not only like you know Michael Jordan like basketball and such but just cartoons in general and right like right m- mixing the worlds kind of like and that was actually pretty like you know like yeah. in like inventive and 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 refreshing yeah right but then the sequel is just you're just playing on itself right yeah, yeah, it, just it like, just doesn't work exactly like, it, they're, they're missing the point of what space jam one was <laughs> and then like we're like going going totally off topic here but but yeah but yeah but i was um we'll save this for the patreon type <laughs> that, that's what that's what my mind just space jam Space Jam, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think like Korea is kind of riding the wave of best of both worlds in a sense, where you know obviously there's products and shows that are you know kind of you know doing it to make money. Like with I see with dramas that there's a clear formula with you know with their shows and such. Yeah. But like in terms of you know some shows and even in terms of cinema, it's like I think they have an awareness of making new products and being more open to experiment and be radical is pushing even just, like, expanding globally yeah. and, like, getting themselves out there. And, you know, like, that goes hand-in-hand hand with making things that are more experimental and, like, you know, being more open in that sense. So it's kind of like, you know, two hands are helping each other out in that yeah, sense. Yeah, but, you know, if you watch Korean cinema, though, like, there's there are rarely any sequels. Like, I mean, there, oh, that's true. to be, yeah, to be yeah, honest, yeah. to be honest, it's kind of... Um, worrisome in one sense because they are trying to do like a lot of sequel stuff now yeah because mm-hmm. i mean it's not look it, sequels aren't necessarily inherently bad right. right like if if you make a good sequel it's a good sequel it's not <laughs> it doesn't matter whether it's a sequel or not like because people are invested in characters and if it's a good story right they would love it like i would love it like if it's if it's a good story and good characters and yeah. and you continue it um in a very sensible way but then it's like who's prime prime example, you yeah. know, Train to Busan and Peninsula, right? We watched it and objectively yeah. Peninsula is not as good as Train to Busan and right. like you have to wonder why, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to wonder like okay, so like 
why is Peninsula not as good? Yeah. And like we did talk about it back then when we um, reviewed Peninsula 2, but it's, it's just, a lo- you know, like they're trying to chase the trend of Hollywood and it really doesn't work, you know? Right. No, that's 100% true. And I mean, like you said, it can be a, a very scary place. And it just like comes down to like, you know, what is your intention with it? Mm-hmm. Like, are you doing it because you love the story, you love the characters, and like this is something that's chaseable and you, know, you have a war that you can expand in? Or are you just doing it for like, this was now number one, you know, blockbuster hit. People obviously pressure want more for of people, it. Yeah. yeah to, so now to, we're now we're just chasing it because it's obviously gonna be another winner. Right. Either way, it'll make money, which is what they think, right? Exactly. Like, and then you know, like it might, but it doesn't mean that it's gonna be good. Yeah. Like it's the quality goes down in, yeah. in that sense, objectively, you know. Mm. So it's like doing that. Like I think in the opposite way. When I think of John Wick, it's the opposite. Like, you know, John Wick was this really cool, awesome film. And now they're about to be four films deep into it. But the trilogy has been amazing. Mm. Like, they've all been really good films. I think know? the caveat, I, to be honest, I think still John, John Wick 1 is the best. Sure. Um, But the caveat there is I think it's an action movie, right? Uh, yeah. And that, that kind of helps a lot. Because mm. the main focus of it isn't necessarily story. <laughs> yeah. It's more action. Yeah. And that kind of blunts the blow. Sure. Uh, of it not being the best in terms of story. Uh, it's the same thing with, like, you know, Mission Impossible or, like, James Bond, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't necessarily go in for the story. Mm. Right? It's usually the, pretty much the same like, story every spy, single time. Like, nice shooting and you're, you're Yeah, you're watching this, watching the movie because of a spectacle. Yeah, yeah. And so, in that case, like, I can give it a pass because, uh-huh. like, sure, like, you're not really watching it for, like, the great story of James Bond or, like... <laughs> Yeah, of yeah. Mission Impossible, but but if it's like a stro- story driven film like Train to Busan, right? Yeah, and you're trying to make <laughs> the sequel to that, and it just completely turns into some like action flick, right? That totally like misses the spirit of the first film. Yeah, then but it's kind of like I think that's it. Like I, I mean, I would kind of argue like like if like if you have a passion for like what made your film what it is, like you said with John Wick, it's the action. Like, right, they know what it is. Like yeah. they know you know they yeah. know the heart of the film. That's why. And so, like, with Train to Busan, they kind of missed the mark on that. It was like, well, what, what really made Train right. to Busan what it was? And the second, mo- second movie was just so different and just so, I don't know, plain at the end of the day. Like, it just kind of, it felt like spectacle versus where Train to Busan played a little more emotionally right. in that sense. But, too, with, like, if I'm thinking about, like, Fast and the Furious, for example, like, that shit ain't not about cars anymore. <laughs> like, like, let's be honest. Like, yeah. it's not about, like, racing and, like, driving. Mm. It's It's now about other things. Mm. But, like, Let's say they played the cards into like, this is a car enthusiast film. Maybe we'd be having a different conversation right now. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's like you got to play to what really made it great if you're gonna kind of make a franchise out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. So um, anything else you wanted to add? Oh uh, no, that's pretty much it. I'm excited yeah. for the next movie. Pretty excited or not excited? Going back into old boy. I'm not excited to feel what I felt the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I wasn't too shocked when I watched the first time. It's more like you know, it's not like ooh shock. It's more like ugh, yeah, and like ugh, like it just gets worse and worse, yeah. and you're just like ugh, yeah. damn. Like, are we really gonna go further and further into this rival? You feel like a little disgusted. I'm actually kind of excited to watch it again. Yeah. I want to see like seeing it with a completely new eye. Mm. Or not a completely new eye, but like a new. It's been so long, honestly. It's, me too. It's gonna be really refreshing for yeah. me. Yeah, same. I'm gonna be like, oh, this feels like I'm watching it almost for the first time again. Yeah, because I, I do, I do, I do, I, I have forgotten a lot. Yeah, 
in terms of like like I only remember kind of like the only like the the scenes that you're supposed to remember like obviously <laughs> the hallway fight yes yeah, yeah. like I remember some things like when he was stuck in the room yeah and some things towards Eating the end dumplings and, like, and yeah, yeah. Mm. but that's about it like I really don't remember like the details specific uh, exactly. like him eating eating the squid exactly stuff like that the octopus whatever octopus. Ah, yeah, see, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. whatever, whatever. So let's see how that plays out. Should be exciting. Um, see you guys next week for that. Cool. Peace. Peace.